Hi, I'm Aaron, and welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle Podcast, a podcast all about, well, you guessed it, hip hop. I will be interviewing artists and exploring the genre I love. My hope is that you will begin to love it as much as I do, if not more. Please like and subscribe and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for any upcoming podcast news. All right, let's get into it. All right, welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle podcast. We're back with Benjamin Banneker. I always struggle to say your last name. Um, it's just because I always read the names and I'm like, oh, I'm going to butcher it. But how did I go? <laughs> no, you nailed it. You nailed it. You nailed it. There we go. I'm, I'm getting better at yeah. something. But um, yeah, he's back. So if you don't remember, he was actually part of the Shelly Banks podcast. He was just sitting in the background, kind of looking after, making sure Shelly was on the right road and kind of featured in the back end of it. Um, but um, Penn is his own artist as well. So don't get twisted. He's not just a manager. He is his own artist. Um, and he also had an album back in 2011, Heartbeat, which kind of went really big. Um, so that led to, to, to being nominated as one of the albums of the month. And you went on, you know, tour with KRS-One. You went on tour with Elzai. Um, one of my favorites, actually, Elzai, I think underrated in the game. So, yeah. Um, yeah. People sleep on him all the time. <laughs> I don't know what it is about him. I think, you know, maybe he's just not as outgoing, but lyrically, I think he's as good as anyone else. Oh uh, yeah, he, he's he's second to none. Like, uh, if people if they don't know, I, I encourage people to just just let his 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 uh, catalog play, and you will not be disappointed because Elzai is just he's one of those rare gems in the in the hip hop game. Like, that's what it looks like, in my opinion. That's what it looks like. That's what it should be. We actually reviewed one of his albums on the podcast as well. So, uh, yeah. If, if you want to check it out, highly recommend. But Elzai, there's there's this track that I'm a big for. There's a couple that he does, but one of my favorites is it's a game. He sets up a game where he's literally like, all right, here's the rules. The hook is here's the rules for the game, and then you're going to play the game. And he starts the the verse or starts the bar, and then you got to f- pick the word, the finish. And, yeah, it's just sick. He's got another one about that's like a whole dream, like the whole song is a dream. Yeah. I don't know. He's just to me. I don't know why it's people another sleep level. Him. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he might be over a lot of people's head because, like, to to follow that, you really have to be in tune. Like, you really have to be listening to what he's saying. And I know a lot of, I guess, hip hop fans or whatever, they just want to, you know, listen, kind of be mindlessly listen and just, you know, get their enjoyment out of it and move on to the next song. Like, he's an artist that you really have to invest in to like really get the you know like the jewels and the gems he's dropping so my all-time favorite Elza is, is probably that the uh the slum village the detroit uh the detroit deli yeah like he was that album he was he did not miss on every song on that he just didn't miss so yeah and um, one of my other ones transitional joint i love the beat on that it is like just i don't know we'll talk about elzai forever i have a feeling uh, we won't be <laughs> yeah. able to talk about you but but um how was it touring with him how was he on tour i feel like he is a different individual to what we usually see in the rap game he was like pretty like everyday dude pretty chill um uh, we you know we didn't really speak that much he told me i was promoting like super hella hard he was like dude every time i check twitter it's like 
you posting about the next event or whatever. I'm like, that's what I'm supposed to do, right? Uh, but no, he, he was super chill, super laid back, approachable. Uh, you know, we had a few conversations and that was like, shit, uh, we talking about like uh, almost 10 years ago now. So I, I probably forgot more than I actually remember yeah. from that, that experience now. But I mean, I, I it was just super enjoyable and like opening for like his crowds and stuff like it wouldn't always be like sold out shows, but they would be the most energetic and most uh, most live crowds to 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 perform for. So, um, like I've, I've performed in front of a whole lot of different crowds where it was packed and people would just kind of be looking at you, kind of like you're in an aquarium or something. But like the LZI crowds are legit ridiculous. Like it, it don't matter if it's ten people there or you know three hundred people there. Like they are into it. They don't care who you are. They're just super into it. So. Uh, that was one of my biggest takeaways from 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 being on shows. With yeah, it's all about just having that solid fan base. Like you know, yeah. it caters to a very particular type of hip hop fan that you know is very in tune with the lyrics and the idea of a song. Like he's just so ideas based. Like he will have something that he's trying to achieve with every track. There's no just like I'm going in and just hoping for the best. He's like. This is my idea, and I'm going to deliver this idea. It's it's just a new level, but you know, for you, I'm sure it gave you a bit of confidence to go. Well, as long as I have a clear idea, I know that people will come along with the journey. Yeah, it's like you know, you you go in being intentional on what you're trying to create, but you don't always get there. You know what I mean? Like I set out to do this, and I'm writing it, and I record it, and I didn't quite get there, but you know, it's still good enough to put out. Like with him, I just feel like that's a that that skill and that talent is unmatched because I feel like he never missed that. He ne- like it was always intentional, and I made it. And that's one thing I you know I strive for you know in my music is to be intentional and actually hit what I'm intending to do. And so it, it's hard; it's super hard. You know, as I'm working on my new project, you know, I've, I've been recording songs since 2018, and I'm just trying to get eight. And I've been recording since 20, 2018 consistently. And I mean, going to the studio once every week. And so I don't even, if I go in my folder and open that up, I don't know how many songs are in there. It's, it's, it's a lot of songs in there. So that, that lets you know that, you know, I swung and missed a lot. But to get that eight, I really feel like, you know, that that process was needed. And it's going to help me in the long run. Well, something we spoke about, with, well, I spoke about, and you, you obviously heard the conversation with Shelly, was how to stay out of your own way. You know, because like you said, you will make a track and it may not be 100% what you wanted, but it's still good enough to to drop. How much of it does it take for you to be like, you know, not to get in your own way and be like, no, I want that perfection? Because I think Elzai has that problem in a way. He doesn't release that much music. And like when he does, it's really good. But it's like, you know, two to three years that you're waiting for the next album. And so I think that's almost his challenge is that he's too much of a perfectionist. Whereas, you know, for you, I get that you're trying to find that balance of being a perfectionist while also trying to still release music on a regular basis. Yeah, it it gets, I think the more music you release, the harder it gets because, you know, the first time out, you just, you know, you put it out and it's like, hey, I was working on this, this is what happened. Now, when you're doing the second one, like I got to top what I did the first time. So I, I don't I have this bar that I already set. And then like I'm on my fourth project. So it's like, 
okay, I got to top the, the previous three that I did. <laughs> and it's like, I have this, this, uh, like I said, being intentional, this goal, what I want to create, what I want it to sound like, then I have to meet that expectation. So, um, I, and like I said, in, in this process, I was on a plane. I was going to New York. I took a trip to New York last summer and I thought I was done with the project. And I listened, that was the first time I listened to it kind of in like a different space, uh, you know, cause you know, when you hear it in your car, you listen to it in the studio, it sounds one way. Then I'm going, like, I'm in the airport and I'm listening to it on my headphones. I'm like, this is not what I set out yeah. to make. This is, <laughs> this is not what it is. So so I had to strip everything down and start from scratch. And, and you know, like my manager and my engineer and a lot of people on my team, like, what are you doing? Like, you're like I'm shooting videos. I had shot like three videos for this project. They're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, it's, it's not what I wanted. It's not what and I got a lot of. I guess, compliment for, you know, being, uh, I guess, able or sh- strong enough to admit that to myself is not what I want to do. But at the same time, they still were like, dude, <laughs> so we got to wait. Like, you know, you got momentum, you got people checking for you. So now they got to wait some more than you finish what you, what you want to make. So uh, it was a mixed bag, but I mean, it's, it's just a, a part of what you got to go through to get to, I guess, what you want to put out. I get that though. Like I'll edit a podcast or I'll like review a podcast that I've done. And I'm like, I got to do it in a different room. <laughs> like it just, <laughs> it just, it just doesn't feel right in this room or like, but even when I'm listening to music, like there's some songs that I'm like, uh, I just can't listen to this outside my car or I can't listen to this without my headphones on. Like I just need the, there's a certain way you want the music to sound. So I kind of get that, but Man, that's a lot of work and a lot of money putting into a project. I know if I was in your camp, I'd be like, bro, you just release that shit, hope that it drops, and, <laughs> and then we go from there. Like that that's that would be my advice. Like, you know, you, you did the work, you might as well drop it and see what the crowd says. You know, you might find that it's better than you think. Yeah, yeah. And then, like you said, you, you get in your own way, you get in your own head sometimes. And I mean, I think any artist goes through that, but at the end of the day, you have to feel comfortable at what you're putting out. And like I said, just that trip made me feel like I'm not comfortable putting this out. Like it, it would just be, you know, a lateral move. Like I said, I'm trying to, everything I'm trying to put out, I want to be, to be better than the last project that I put out. And it would have just been lateral to me. And that just wasn't, I guess, acceptable. So how do you feel about artists who drop singles every week? Like there are stories about, people who just drop things every single week you know um king crooked he had the weeklies that he would drop you know a different track every single week how do you feel about artists that just manage to 52 weeks they drop a song and you're like you know and obviously you're going in and you're going with a specific purpose how do you feel about you know artists that just seem to throw shit out there i well, I don't think there's throwing shit out there. Like, it's, it's definitely a commitment to do that because I tried that in 2019. Like, I tried, it was Benjamin Banneker Presents 2019. And the idea was I was going to drop three songs a month all, you know, the whole year. So to add up to the 36 songs, so it was going to be every 10 days I was dropping a new song. And I made it up until, uh, like, the beginning of April. And in April, it was like, I felt like people were not getting a chance to digest the music, number one. And number two, it was like to create it that insane level. Like I got to write, then I got to record. I got to have an engineer mix. 
and then I got to get it, you know, uploaded and promoted on time. And it, and it, it was just insane. Like, I don't know <laughs> how you can do it because you, you may have a song that you put out and people really, really like, and then you move on from it because you're on this time schedule of I'm dropping a song every 10 days. You know what I mean? So yeah, when I was doing that, like it was a couple songs uh, that I dropped during that time that I'm actually going to, I've reworked and I'm putting them on this project that I'm going to put out now. It was like, people love those songs, but I moved on from them so quick that they didn't get a chance to like really just sit with it and enjoy it. Like they have no music videos or anything with it. So it's to people who can do it and that's the strategy if it's working great. But I saw for me <laughs> that it, it was, it was just too much work. It was too much. So how do, how long does it take for you to like, you know, digest a song that you've released, take time to obviously see what, you know, the fans are saying, like how, how long is that kind of period for you before you're like, all right, I know what the feedback is and what I want to do to adapt. Well, uh, with the, with the most recent song, I just dropped the prologue. This is kind of the longest I've really sat on the song and tried to make it grow and move it organically. So uh, I dropped it at the top of January and it's uh, March now. What's the name? March. Uh, Six uh, for you, seven for me. So yeah, yeah, March 6th. So um, it, it's kind of fighting myself to like, I want to put something else out just to move on. But there's a lot of people that haven't heard that song yet. And the people that did hear that song, they really, really love it. So it's just like, okay, if I got this small pocket of people that love it, I'm sure there's a bigger pocket of people that love it. And on top of that, I'm sure there's a bigger pocket of people that love it. So it's, it's really a, just a balance of me just staying patient and just looking at the data and the numbers and see what, what it's saying. And, and like, I'm blessed to, to have a manager, uh, shout out to Nate, that he he's kind of like a big brother to me. He'll kind of tell me like, dude, just, just wait, just chill, just wait. And he'll he kind of like verbally shake me and like, come on, we, we set out. This was our plan. This is what we said we're going to do. Just wait. Just just wait. So I need that because, you know, as an artist, you know, you I'm sitting on all of this music and I think I got a lot of good stuff and I want to move on to the next thing. But he's like, just wait. It'll it'll work. Just just keep doing what we're doing. So and obviously that's working. Um, there's definitely a sweet spot between putting music out, well, for me at least, there's definitely a, 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 a sweet spot between putting music out, seeing how the fans react to it, and moving on. And we've done, like, when we dropped Heartbeat, we waited too long to go on to the next thing with that. We dropped that in 2011. I still got the same manager from back then, by the way. So when we dropped that in 2011, and, like, the momentum, and I think everything was there, people wanted more music. And we should have dropped some probably 2012, you know what I mean? But we didn't. The next album didn't come out to 2015. So, I mean, we dropped some singles here and there, but the, the timing was just super way off. And we probably lost a lot of the momentum that we uh, had gained. So we definitely trying to, to learn, like you said, learn from that and find that sweet spot and then move on. So, Well, I'm, I'm a bit like you. My brother always tells me to be patient. So I got two younger brothers and I'm impatient when it comes to my own things like especially this podcast i'm always like just like i just want more and more and more and more and he's just always like you know calm down you gotta like take your time because like i'm sure a week to you feels like a month like every week in my 
in my view of the podcast, I think about it all the time. It feels like a month. So even a week between interviews, it feels like a month to me. And I'm just yep. like in that mindset of like, it's been so long, but in the real world, it's a really short period of time. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But I guess we just wired differently. It's just, you know, we always have to be doing something and creating something new. So when too much time goes by, it's like, what are, am I doing anything? Am I being productive? I always get nervous when I, I like, I don't know what my schedule is for the next month. Like that's, that's I'm, I'm always like, all right, I got to be booking. I'm always booking people. And then, and I like, I, it's, it's not really a problem I have, but it's a problem that I think I have all the time that I'm like, all right, I got to be hustling. Got to keep going, keep, keep finding new stuff to do. And I don't know, I think it'll drive me insane one day, but it seems to be working so far. It's a, it's a grinder's mentality. It's, it's literally like, if you don't do those things, you feel like you're not being productive. You feel like you're standing still. We don't create us. We don't like to feel like we're standing still whatsoever. We can't, we can't let one day go by and just chill. Like it's hard for me to, to do that. A matter of fact, uh, one of my uh, writing buddies, he just texted me today and I was like, yo, I'm trying to finish this last song for the album, but I'm really stuck. Like, I don't, I can't get it out. And he was like, yo, just go outside, do something that you love to do. Like play Xbox, play PlayStation, just ch- do stuff you love. To-. I'm like, I can't, I gotta finish. <laughs> well, I feel like the day just went by. So, Yeah. Do you find that even in your normal life that you're just thinking about music that you're just like you know you go out and like you're at a gathering you're with friends but in the back of your mind you're like I know that tomorrow I gotta come back and I gotta hit it I know that I gotta write and that out of everything like even when I go for a walk and the walk is supposed to be a distraction I'm always like all right what is my plan when I get home what is my plan tomorrow and yeah like I've got a I've got a full-time job as well and Let's hope my boss doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> I doubt. I doubt it. You know, older older white dudes tend not to not to. <laughs> but but um but yeah. I, even when I'm at work, I'm like, oh, all right. What am I doing when I get home? What am I doing? And I'm sneakily checking the stuff for the podcast at work, and it's just it's just one of those things. Once you find what you like, there's no getting away from it. Yeah, you can't turn it off. You can't. And I experience the same thing. Like I, I work a full time job too, so. What I try and do is I try and do 30 minutes of work and then 30 minutes of my stuff. So during the day, like, you know, that means, you know, checking the numbers or trying to network or trying to find people or, you know, pitching myself for this opportunity or whatever. So and then at night, uh, I kind of set a schedule like at 10 o'clock. That's my writing time. So I try and my phone goes off every day, 10 o'clock, Sunday through Thursday, (laughs) and it goes off and that's okay. I need to sit down and write. If I can't come up with something in that hour, then I need to just create some, some, some promo or do something, you know, like that. You just gotta, you just gotta, it's just in us. You just gotta be productive. Yeah. I think it's just about harnessing that and using that to your potential. And, you know, I'm sure there are people who listening and the fear of failure is, almost the hardest thing to get over but I don't know I don't know about you but I always look back on my life life and you know I'm, I'm still like in my 20s but um, I my biggest fear is to look back and have regrets about the things and the risks that I didn't take and like the opportunities and so this podcast mm-hmm. is part of that so the the fear of failure is never as high 
as the fear of what could have been. So like, I, I'm never scared of of failing because I'll just come back and bounce back. Like I'm, I'm never going to quit. So um, I think a lot of people struggle with just taking that step and getting over that fear. Yeah, you you nailed it. You nailed it. Uh, like what is, is some quote? Uh, uh, I can't recall it. I'm a big quotes guy, so I got a whole bunch of quotes in my head. But it's basically like the, the best time to start was uh, 20 years ago, and the second best time to start is now. So like I kind of live by that. So. Just, just do something, do something, do something. I, I, I tell, I tell my, my girl all the time, like she's trying to brand her herself as, uh, uh, I guess fitness lifestyle, like do all those things with, with her pay, her Instagram page and stuff. And I'm like, just do it, like post, like get started, get started. But she's like super in her head about the stuff. She's like, no, I need it to look like this, and I need the pictures, and I want the content to be like that. Where me, on the other hand, I'm just like, I'll throw it out there. If it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. I'll just try something else again tomorrow. But uh, I, I really try to to get her to see it that way. And I call her my girl. I'm sorry, I should, fiance. She has graduated to fiance. We are engaged Congratulations. now. Congratulations. So, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so if she listens to this, I just cover myself right now. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we knew. We knew. We knew you're all good. Yeah. If she ever has yeah. doubts, she can come and, and message me and ask me and I'll be like, yeah. oh, no, we're all good. But but I think you're right. Like when, when I started, my kind of commitment was one Instagram post a day, no matter what it was. Mm-hmm. Like the, it's just, you know, a deal I made with myself. One a day for at least uh, 12 months. And, you know, as you said, you'll get better along the way because you're like, you drop, you release it and you're like, eh, was it the best? Maybe not. But as you do it, you force yourself because you know you got the deadline. You're like, I actually got to fix this up because I know I'm releasing something tomorrow. So if I want to fix it up and I want it to be better, I got to do it because I got to do it tomorrow and then the day after and then the day after. So part of that is good. Yeah, yeah. I I try, especially with with just being consistent with that kind of stuff, I try and take Sundays to create and line up what I'm going to send out and what I'm going to present for that week. And I usually always get into Wednesday with pre-creating stuff and scheduling it because that that helps a, a whole hell of a lot when you schedule out the post. And then Thursday night, that's usually my night and I'm in the studio. So I know I'm going to get something when I'm in the studio that I can, you know, repurpose and re you know, and, and post in for content. So, uh, but like you said, yeah, it's, you just got to be committed to it. And, for, and shout out to you for, you know, having that goal to, to post one time a day because it's a snowball effect. If you don't post that that next day, then you might not post the day after that. And before you know it, it's a week went by. You know what I mean? And so shout out to you for sticking to that. Well, you know, I, I tend to be a competitive person as well. So once I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And now I'm, it's on a road. Now I don't want to break the streak. Um, I think I, I read somewhere Jerry Seinfeld had a strategy to be like, um, to just do something better, like get better. And what he would do is he'd get a calendar and every day that he did that activity that he wanted, let's call it writing, he would say, he would like cross it off. And he'd throughout that week, he'd say, all right, I've written three out of the seven days. And then the next week he'd want to get better. And then he writes four and then five and then six. And then he's writing every day. And then you don't want to break the streak because you're like, I did seven. You always want to get better. It's like that weird mind trick. So I think that's kind of. Need to try that. Yeah. Yeah, I need to try that. I actually, that sounds like an actually real good idea. I need to try that. Like, just get a, a calendar. I got 
whiteboards and stuff all over the place. But I need to actually get a calendar and try that across yeah. the day, though. That's a good idea. I appreciate that. So, like, yeah, it can be for anything. That's the cool part. Like, if you want to fix your diet, like, if you want to, like, whatever it is, it literally doesn't matter what you're doing. So, um, yeah, I, I want to get the physical calendar as well. But that's something I learned about recently. So, um, yeah, it, as I said, it's all about self-improvement. You know, people probably look at you and go, you know, how can I be more like, like Penn? And, and you're looking at other people going, how can I be like them? And, you know, it, it's, it's like a weird thing that it's one step at a time. It doesn't happen overnight. Yeah, it's, it's crazy when I get that. I just had uh, I did a podcast interview last Tuesday and uh, the host, she was saying like, you know, I see you being so consistent and posting and you you, sound, you seem so disciplined on your craft and what you're doing. And I'm like, I feel like I'm not disciplined enough. I feel like I need to do better. So it's just crazy when you get that kind of feedback from, you know, because you never know, really know who's watching or who's looking and they give you these little nuggets. It's like, wow, I guess I am doing something because somebody noticed it but it, like like you said that competitive gene you just feel like i gotta do more so do you have anyone that you look up to that you're like you know i want to be more like them or is there are there people like in in the industry especially that you're like you know i like the way they go about you know managing obviously their career but also the business and also social media and that kind of platform uh yes it's, it's a few uh people that i look at but the thing is though their audience is different from mine so i can't really replicate what they do to get the same success for example like uh omen on dreamville uh i follow him a lot actually that was my college roommate uh so we, we kind of you know really got a relationship so but to see how he uses social media twitter instagram especially and see how he moves it's like damn i wish i could do that but i don't have the the foundation to do that you know what i mean um I look at artists like uh, when Big Sean dropped uh, his most recent project, how he was posting. I was like, damn, I like how his rollout has been for that. But again, I don't have the infrastructure to, to do that. So I kind of take things that they do that I can make work for myself and, and implement that into what I'm doing. So, um, And then again, too, like I said, back to just referring to Nate, my manager, we, we speak so often that, you know, it's, it's, if you look at our text history, it's probably just a whole bunch of links and a, just a little conversation because we're always sending like articles, read this, here's a YouTube video, look at this, hey, here's a clubhouse uh, chat going on about this. Like, it's just so much information we try and consume and implement and what we're doing to try and make this thing really go. It's just like, <laughs> I, I got so many examples to pull from. It's like, it's crazy. Well, I think that's, that's a good thing that, you know, that drive and that constant want to get better. Like there's, it, as soon as you stop, you know, going for it, that's when you die in the industry. Like, and I remember I was at uni and I did, I did law at uni. Uh, don't worry. Like the more I did law, the less I wanted to be a lawyer is essentially how I describe mm -hmm. my, my time at, at uni. But <laughs> I remember I had this lecturer and she was like, I've been teaching contract law for seven years. So it's pretty much perfect. And as soon as I heard that, I knew it wasn't perfect because no artist turns around and says, yeah, I'm done. No successful person turns around and says, oh, there's nothing that can get better than this. So, you know, and you've been in the industry for a long time and just, you know, that always wanting to, to hustle is kind of the most important thing in, in terms of yeah. being successful. 
Yeah, and it, and that the hustle the hustle always stays the same, but I think the area of what you focus your hustle on changes. Like uh, at first, it was all like I wanted to be the best writer I could be, so my my concentration was on the hustling of writing, or because uh, I also write songs for people, like you know R and B songs and stuff. And I remember it it became I just want to write R and B songs for people, and that was the hustle. Let me let me pitch myself as a writer to get this out there and then after that it was let me figure out this this marketing thing how this works so that was the hustle it's like it's always a hustle that you own i think the focus just changed and by the time you fix that you got to go back to the start again because you're like pretty I much i gotta level that up and it's like you know yep. like a step up kind of deal yep like damn i fell off like i used to rap like this and now i'm rapping like this like what happens yeah but you know, man, like I was going to ask you as well, because obviously you've, you've had a pretty long career, like, you know, heartbeat dropped 2011. So you've been rapping for over 10 years, but what do you attribute that longevity in the game for? Like, I'm sure you see a lot of rappers who start, they do two to three years. They realize it's not as easy. They don't see the success they want to see, and then they give it away. But how do you stay uh, in the game for such a long period? I, I love that whole creation process. I love the the writing, recording, being in the studio. Like it all starts from there. Like if I didn't have that, I probably would go crazy and nobody would be able to deal with me because I just would have all, all this pent up energy and be just like an aggressive, just asshole to everybody. <laughs> so, but it, it all it all starts from there. Like I just really like creating like I love creating and I think a lot of artists like you said they find out like it's not as easy as they thought or they get into it thinking like oh I'm gonna write these songs and I'm gonna get rich off of doing this like no like I I really have a genuine love to sit down and and create and and it's to the point like you know I have my own you kind of see it behind me I have my own like little studio setup it got to that point like I couldn't wait to get to the studio so I needed to put it in my house so whenever I had the urge to do it I could just go and do it and be free that's why I hate you know waiting on like features and stuff because I can create right here and then like say I need a singer or something to come do something I'm like shit I gotta wait three weeks to get them in the studio because of that schedule like I hate that I need it to be done now so yeah I feel like features is something that people don't really talk about that much like you know, features are good because they get you on a lot of different tracks. Like, you know, you don't really have to worry too much, but it takes time. And then obviously you've got your own management and you've got, you know, people who are like, you know what, let's hold off on on dropping that feature because you've got a single that comes out and they've got their schedules that they want to. And then obviously for you, if it's your one of your lead singles or, or one of the singles you want to drop, it's like, I also need it to match my schedule because I've got a plan as well. So that's a, a tough thing. But right, I right. Like, I feel like people don't think about that much. Most people are like, oh, I don't understand why you don't do more features. And it's like, well, uh, it's because it's not as easy as it sounds. I know, And I kind of got the same, ran into that same issue with, with, with Shelly. Like since we last spoke, like Shelly is kind of under a new management. We still work together and everything, but she signed a contract where she can't really put out anything without approval now. And we've got all these records <laughs> that like I have, I'm like, yo, can we put this out? Can we, and just the whole waiting process and hearing with her people like this really, you know, funding her and all that kind of stuff. I'm saying now it's like, oh my God, like 
can we just drop it? <laughs> yeah, because Shelly did message me. She said uh, she she moved to she signed with a record label. But how how was mm-hmm. that process? Because obviously, you guys were working on projects and working a lot. Like when we last spoke, there was like always something in the studio, always something on the go. So how is it now? where you do have to go to somebody else who wasn't talking about the plan, who wasn't there in the studio, who wasn't there, you know, outside of what they see as the finished product. Like, how is it for you knowing that other people are essentially just going, all right, let me check it out. And they don't really have any background to it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely different. Uh, like we had spent, you know, at least two years, you know, creating our little environment. Matter of fact, it was me, uh, Shelly Banks and uh, the singer, uh, De Niro Blue, it was pretty much uh, us three. And I was trying to create this ill writer uh, label, independent label. And both of them in the last year, they found other situations, which I was totally, completely okay with because I told them from the jump, like, hey, if there's a situation that comes along that's going to grow you and be better for you than what I can do, by all means go. Because I believe in both of you guys' talent. I want you guys to, to succeed. So with both of them had situations that came like that. And I was like, cool, like now I can really hone in and focus on my project and I don't have to, you know, wear all the hats and, you know, managing and organizing all this kind of stuff, which was great. But then on the flip side of that, it's like, okay, Shelly, you know, we got like Shelly and Daniel Blue have uh, like a three song EP that I can't put out right now because I got to get, you know, the approval from people that weren't in the studio, that weren't around, that, you know, <laughs> weren't there when we created it. So I, I just gotta wait, I just gotta sit on it. And I actually got the the, the approval from uh, uh, blues people that like, they were cool, they were fine. Like, they like, yeah, just put it out, but waiting on Shelly. And, and, but our relationship, my relationship with both of them, Shelly and Blue has not changed whatsoever. Like we still speak, everything's cool. Like everything is everything. We just don't spend a lot that studio time and stuff together as much as we did. Yeah, I feel like, you know, it must be tough for you, like just just to, because obviously you invest time and obviously, you know, you still have a really good relationship, but there's time and effort and energy. And, you know, just part of that is like, I feel like you started to see the fruits of the labor start to come out and now there's a hold on on the timing of it and timing is a bitch. Like it is so hard because you're like, uh, we're working towards a goal and then you're so close and then something comes out of the blue, literally. So um, credit goes out to you for having, you know, still a positive relationship. There are so many people who would turn around and be like, you know, fuck you, you screwed me over and now I've got to go to your people. You know, there's heaps of people like that, but you know, man, it's, it's good that, you know, you, you wanted you wanted the best for them, and and you you are open and and ready for them to get that opportunity. Yeah, we, it, me and Shelly had this 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 saying like we would just text each other randomly like, hey, we going to the league. Basically, we going we're going to make it. We're going to get there, whatever. So, uh, you know, we would text her, and still to this day, like she'll text me like, hey, shorty. I'm like, what's up? She like, we still going to the league. I'm like, I know. She's like, once this thing pops, like. I'm gonna take the money and invest it back in your project and everything. So we still got that that bond and that relationship, which is which is super dope. And like you said, like I super believe in Shelly and I super believe in Blue, and I just want them to win at the end of the day. And like I said, selfishly, for them, you know, finding other situations, it allowed me more time to focus on what I was doing. So 
I mean, it was a win-win. Like we, there's no bad blood, there's no broken relationships or anything, so it worked out. Other than the, the approval, <laughs> yeah. Other than that, but that's not that's not on you or Shelly. That's that's on, yeah. And they'll they'll get it to you eventually. You know, part of what they're doing is, you know, some companies have different ways of doing things. They're just taking their time. You know, it's it's all that kind of stuff. They they're worried about their brand as well, all that kind of stuff. But you know, why do you think that people? in hip hop particularly because there is a lot of me versus you attitude in hip hop. Like there's something unique about, you know, this industry versus, you know, others is like, you know, that beef, those diss tracks that, you know, that rivalry, but what do you think it is that really stops people from just, you know, getting over it? Sometimes it's like, I don't understand why you're beefing. Fear, just fear. Like, I feel like if I give you this, Space or notion of credit, or I acknowledge that, hey, like you're dope. I like what you're doing. Like people feel like that's gonna take away from what they what they do, and I just really don't have that. Um, primarily because, you know, I, I think rappers, especially rappers, they all write the lines like, hey, I'm the best rapper, or I'm dopest in the game, whatever, whatever, whatever. And it was a point I realized I was like, I'm gonna stop writing that because I'm just trying to be the dopest. Benjamin Banneker in the game that's it like I'm really just focusing on myself and hey if you dope over there that's dope like if we can do some work together cool if we can do a show together cool like like I don't have that fear of hey I can say like for example Omen I can say hey he's a better rapper than me I tell Shelly all the time like Shelly you're my favorite rapper like you I wish I could rap like you like I tell her that all the time and it's it's cool because I know they can't do what I do so it's fine (laughs) Yeah, I, I think a part of it is also like, you know, still the leftover, the hangover from like the 90s, I think. Like, yeah. you know, that is yeah. like where the beef was like, you know, at its peak, where everybody was just at each other's throats. But, um, I, you know, I think more and more there, is, there are still those rappers who like to fight one another, um, who like to, you know, beef and all that kind of stuff. And it's got that, you know, you know, that gangster mentality. But most people that I speak with these days are more like, you know what, I don't really need to worry about that. If someone comes at me, I'll I'll clap back. But for the most part, I'm just in my own lane. Yeah, and it, and it depends on who you are too. Like, there's been plenty of people that took shots at Jay-Z, but he only responds if he responds to like, I guess, threats or people that he feels like he needs to address. For example, the Nas thing. Like, Nas didn't say anything to him, but it was pretty much saying like, you can't be the king of New York unless you go at Nas that was pretty much what that was but when uh, well, it was some people just yeah, like he, the whole 50 went, cent thing he went to yeah. Prodigy like Prodigy and yeah he had that beef a part of me thinks that Prodigy and rest in peace to Prodigy um as well but one of one of the greats but part of me thinks that Prodigy at that time you know that was after the peak and I think it, he I think he's uh, not after the peak but I think he struggled in that beef I think jay-z just thought about the beef a bit better than prodigy i know 50 cent actually mentioned and that in his audio in his book that you know that had prodigy acknowledged his roots better rather than because jay-z released that image of him wearing ballet clothes or dancing or whatever and he grew up yeah and prodigy never talked about that previously so it was like weird but um but anyway, that we got off side topic. You were talking about 50 cent beef. 
Yeah, yeah, even the the fifty and J thing, like he gave uh, I'm about a dollar. What the fuck is fifty cent? Like that's all he gave fifty, and that's all he needed. So it's, it, even with uh, do you remember uh, the Nicki Minaj and and, and Remy Ma? Remember that like a few years ago? Like yeah. me and my engineer were will argue about that. He was like, he was like Nicki can't say like she's the best in the game because she didn't respond to to Remy over that, and I was like, she don't have to. Because she's Nicki Minaj, like she's worldwide Pepsi commercials. We talking about somebody that's pretty much known only in hip hop circles. So I don't have to waste my time with that. And he, I guess, we just always disagree, agree to disagree on that. Like he don't have, she don't have to respond to that. And that's just how I feel about a lot of the beefs. Like, it, depending on where you are in your career, what your status is, you don't necessarily have to respond. Now, if you're trying to make a name for yourself then maybe you have to, you got to do the clap back or whatever, but it's case by case. Well, there's a saying like sometimes it's an insult to even compete. Like sometimes, you know, when people like, oh, you haven't competed, but you're just, it's like, you know, Usain Bolt, the fastest man alive. Like he wouldn't, if someone in who hasn't made the Olympics starts having a go at him, he's not running the race. He's going, right. All right, do what I do and then come talk to me. Like, it's the same in the music industry sometimes. And, you know, people like to have a go at Eminem and they like to bait him as well. Um, and, you know, he, he very selectively chooses who he, he fires shots back at because, you know, right. and he said, you know, MGK, you know, he was like, this is as big as you'll ever get. And he knows that, you know, for every single person that he mentions, literally their name comes out of his mouth and they all of a sudden blow purely because Eminem said them and therefore you have to recognize. So, like and 50 did that in his career as well. He dropped um that diss track oh, of everyone. I forget what it's called. Um really early. Yeah, yeah. Uh it was like the nine minutes on that one. I think it was like five minutes, and he was talking, he was having yeah. a big pun, he was having a go at literally every single rapper yeah. just to just to get some notoriety. Um oh, I forget yeah. what its name, yeah. The name was. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it escapes me at the moment too. But it's, it's just like, it's just what it is. And it's funny you bring up Emma. Emma is one of those rappers that I feel like he needs his cape tugged on, though. Because as great as he is, when he gets his cape tugged on, it's, it's curtains. It's lights out. Like, don't, don't even do it. <laughs> it, is, it is career suicide. Like, what has MJ yeah. done since that? Like, the, the problem is that. Um, Eminem is not rushed with his responses. Like he doesn't feel the need to respond to the next day. He will take his three, four weeks and he will write a song and he will get personal. And then he'll be like, all right, done. And he's never lost a beef. To be fair though, he, he obviously goes against people. He, he pretty much knows he'll be able to beat. Like he hasn't gone up against one of the goats, but um, yeah, he, he just, he does like to just go, all right, just flex a little bit against somebody and then, but no one wins beefs against Eminem. Yeah. I, I, I really don't see like, even if you take somebody like Jay stat, like if Jay-Z and Eminem had a beef, I don't think Jay can win that rapping beef <laughs> with him. I mean, he may win cause you know, his stature and I'm Jay-Z and I got this and I got that, but I don't, I don't, I don't, I can't see it. I can't see anybody beating him in the beef, no matter who it is. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I think that's a suicide mission that you're going in. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you're going to have a fist fight with a lion. Like, 
I think that's, much. that's it's going to end bad. But, but um, <laughs> you know, like we said, some people just do it for the, for the opportunity to to try and rile him up, and you know, to a, in a way, M's been unlucky. He's had a lot of critics throughout his whole career, and um, you know, no matter what he does, he's always got haters. So you know, he's always you know been being kind of pushed and and kind of prodded at and you know whether it's critics whether it's fans whether it's other artists like i don't know i think that's unfortunate for him that it like i don't know how he does it i get so annoyed and just so drained if everybody was just like you know just having a go it's it's, it's fuel i guess it just it just it makes him go it makes him go well he does say that he like when he's at the cutting room floor like he just puts out tracks and tracks and he has like 20 to 30 tracks that don't make albums. Like I just, and he just, I can, I can believe that. I just wonder like, you know, those tracks, like I'm sure fans would love them. Like if, if he would drop them, I'm sure people would be like, Oh, that's still really good. And didn't make your album. Maybe, maybe one day if we're looking at, we'll get like a lost tape album from, from him. And it'll just be like, probably, six albums worth of <laughs> 100 tracks just yeah. everything that didn't make my albums yeah but but how do you obviously because you obviously have tracks on the cutting room floor as well so like you know a part of it is 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 that process going back to you know being like oh this is the image for my album and you're working on eight tracks right now but what's the plan on that what's your idea for for that album uh so for the VMT, um, like I said, eight tracks. I'm, I'm trying. And the reason I got to eight is because of Kobe Bryant. Shout out to Kobe. You know, we lost Kobe. That was his first number. He won the NBA. Um, I, I actually had the privilege of meeting Kobe when he was a rookie, uh, me and my brother. My, now, my brother is a super huge Kobe fan, <laughs> like way more. Like the Lakers, that's his team. I was a Michael Jordan guy. And then this guy came around along being like Mike. I'm like, I don't like this dude, but then I grew to like him. And then the Mamba mentality, everything, whatever. So that's why I got that the whole eight songs from. But to the to get to the eight, I think they just have to make me feel like this is the best that I could do with this. Like this is it. This is what I try to do. It's the best I can do with it. Boom, it's gonna make it. Um now I'll play stuff for you know, I'll play stuff for a few people and it'll be something that I super love and they'll just, the reaction they have to it is not what I'm really what I'm looking for. So it may make me rethink it or putting it on it, but I'm like, no, no. Remember that your fan, your audience is going to like the music that you create because they're like you. Your audience is exactly like you, so you got to go with it. But um, it, it's, it's kind of, it's a balance of that. It's definitely a balance of that, but kind of stressful sometimes sometimes you think you got it right like i said right now i think i got seven songs uh i'm working on the eighth we're very close yeah 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 i'm working on the eighth but the last probably like four attempts have been like just insert the trash emoji right now it's just like nah that wasn't it what do you think that is about this last track did you have those challenges with the first seven uh no because I felt like with the first seven, I always knew I wanted to get eight songs, but because it was like, oh, this this is definitely got to go. That might be the first song. I still know I got seven more songs. And I think a part of this process is I know I'm that close to being done that it just won't come out how I want it to come out. Yeah, it's like, you know, but and also once it's done, you got to release it. 
Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> once it's done, the, the, the real stuff starts to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think at this point now, that's that's the hardest part. Like for independent artists, it's the marketing, it's the, the aftermath of what you have to do to, you know, promote yourself and get yourself heard. That's the hard part now. The making the easy, the music part, that's relatively easy when you consider like, you know, you got to pay for ads now and you got to just always have a social presence and it's not even about the music and you got to have content and all this other shit that doesn't really correlate with the music, but it does correlate with the music, if that makes any sense at all. So it's hard. Like I said, that part is the hardest part. But, you know, once I get past this, I'm going to have a drink, (laughs) probably have a smoke. (laughs) and celebrate that small win and then just move on to the next part of the process because then it becomes like we said before like i gotta be productive i gotta do something like i gotta get in contact with this person or i gotta book an interview for you know this month or whatever whatever the case may be it'll just be something else that you focus the the hustle on yeah definitely well i was gonna ask you as well because your sound is like quite unique in that sense like it, it it's not it's not gangster rap but it's not like you know r&b you've got a kind of blend of like trappy beats and then you've got some old school stuff like kind of in the bass lines like how do you define your sound and because it's to me you're like a mix of genres you can hit your r&b notes but you can also hit your hip-hop notes and you kind of blend between the two Shout out my engineer for that, because I, <laughs> but um, I, I think it comes from like, I was a huge, huge Michael Jackson. That's why I started doing this at first was Michael Jackson. Like I wanted to be Michael Jackson. And then I figured out I couldn't sing. So that kind of took that whole singing part away from it. And then when Can I, you once dance, I got though? it. That's the question. No, no, no. Uh, I mean, I, I got rhythm. I can keep, you know, I can keep the beat. But as far as dancing like him, that ship sailed a long time ago. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it, it was it was just like it started there. And um, if, if you ask me to my core, I, I'm probably more of an R&B dude than a, than a hip hop guy. So I think that comes out in my music, like with the, the R&B like undertones and stuff. And you might hear me hitting up the R&B melodies or whatever the case may be. But then there's there's this just affinity and this just love to just put words together and string them together and see how I can make it go. And that's where the rap part comes in. So uh, I think one of my biggest influences that probably shaped my sound is like Kanye through like the college dropout era through like uh, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy like all of that pretty much probably shapes how I do music because I like all the you know the, the sampling the the vocal layering how he use he'll have like so many singers come in and layer parts and all this kind of stuff so I I just really try and take that approach when I make my music. On a Kanye note, I was going to ask you because I have I have. Don't worry, it's not, maybe it's controversial. I don't think it is, but do you think he's a better rapper or a better producer? Oh, uh, okay. So <laughs> what, what area, era are we talking about for Kanye producing? Because I'm talking just his career, like whatever, whatever, like overall, I definitely have an opinion on this. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not just throwing you under the bus. I'm going to tell you my opinion on it, but um but yeah just just based on what what because obviously if he's someone you go to and you you look for inspiration i'm sure you have an opinion now 
I'm, I'm like for the fans, they're not reading your face, but I'm like looking at you <laughs> saying, saying, all right, like you're, you're going through and trying to think about it. Yeah. I'm, I'm really trying to like pick apart. Like what would I, cause you know, I know like producers that actually work with him. Like I know I've been in, you know, in conversations with Ryan Fest, you know, who actually wrote on a lot of his earlier stuff. So I know that a lot of Kanye was a team effort. Um, and then I also know about like the production side of it. I know a lot of it is a team effort. So I can't really lean one way or the other to say, what, you know what, I'm gonna go with rap. You know, this is why I'm gonna go with rap because when Kanye first came out, Kanye wasn't really talking about no gangster shit. He was just rapping about like, you know, I got a pink polo, a backpack, and I'm just out here and I'm just rapping. And that kind of shaped how I did. I was like, yo, I don't have to like fabricate or act like I'm out here in the streets and talk all this. I can just really be me or a nerd or whatever I am and just rap about it. So I'm going to go with rap just, just because of that. I like that. I like that. I was, you were heading down towards a political answer. You were, and yeah. then I was like, man, you should be a politician, you know, answering a question <laughs> without answering the question, but there at the end. But um, yeah, that, that makes sense to me. I mean, for me personally, it's production. Like I think uh-huh. the, all the reasons that you said before um, in ter- terms of the sampling, in terms of, and it, it probably is and definitely is a team effort, but his ability to choose the beats and to actually change the way like his use of vocal sampling was just next level like i think he just changed the game in in that sense and um, completely changed music yeah pretty much the hip-hop genre yeah and so now he's he's doing his his other stuff his his religious stuff and you know i think that's i actually like that album though (laughs) i that's just i just can't get get into it content wise it's just not it just doesn't click with me content wise so uh, yeah, that's that's not me hating. It's just the individual who just, I am. Yeah, but, yeah. But um, yeah, it's it just like that. I get it. <laughs> but those, yeah, I don't know. The the when when producers find soul samples and vocal samples that like really blend and have contrast with, you know, especially like a deeper voice, it just works so well. And I think Kanye showed the way of how to do that. Yeah, yeah. Especially like when he first hit the scene, like his first like probably three or four year run as a producer was just insane. I mean, think about all the people he worked with, Janet Jackson, Brandy, Jay-Z, Beanie Siegel, Cameron, like you name it. He worked with him as a producer. It was like, this dude is unreal right now. Yeah. I think he's, I think he's almost underrated in that sense. Like everyone knows him as like the personality and everybody knows him as like the rapper and you know whenever i mention it to people who aren't fans of hip-hop they're like oh don't talk to me about kanye because they see everything else they don't actually see the musical side of it but the the contribution that he's had to hip-hop cannot be understood and you know he'll always be one of the greats you know whether you like his current music or not but um you know i think that sometimes we forget we have just like short memories as to to what happens in someone's career yeah i mean just look at it he he had he got voted album of the decade for my beautiful dark twisted fantasy they came out in 2010 so all of the albums that came out from 2010 and after he still got voted <laughs> album of the decade like that just speaks to his to his 
just musical genius of what he of what he is. Yeah, and you know it's good that like you know for you because and for people coming up, you know you can learn from that, and and that is the best part. And like, and as a fan, like I'm like awesome. I want people to you know learn, put their own twist on it, do their own thing, and then you know they come out with their own style of of what sounds really good. Yeah, yeah, and that was for me, like, with, with this project I'm working on now, because, like, a, Kanye is such a big musical influence for me. It basically boiled down to, I, this is the, I'm making the album that I want Kanye West to make right now. Like, you said Jesus is king. Like, you said uh, you didn't really do, like, no, Kanye West is this college dropout through my beautiful dark twisted fan. That's Kanye West for me. So I'm making in my opinion, in my mind, the album that I want Kanye to make right now, but it's just mine. Well, look, if it's anywhere near as good, I think you've got something huge on your hands. And I know, and I'm and I'm hoping, and I'm hoping it is, because I feel like we need a bit of old Kanye back. Um, but do you know what I think it is? It's like that TikTok generation. They, they didn't grow up listening to, you know, original Kanye. They yeah, yeah. knew Kanye and seen Kanye with Kim Kardashian and and that's all they associate Kanye with. But everybody who, you know, was around when Kanye first came on the scene is like, that's not really Kanye. You you kind of forgot or you don't know yeah. what the what the OG was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You I need you to go back a trip down memory lane. <laughs> and so how was that transition for you? Because obviously, you know, recognizing within yourself that you don't have the the singing capabilities of Michael Jackson, but you have the ability to write and you have the ability to to rap. Like, what was the transition for you to get away from that singing side versus coming into more that that lyrical rapping side? You know what? I think I think because of the way I guess hip hop music kind of shifted to being more melodic, it kind of aligned with what I was doing. Um, and shout out Autotune too. Thank God for Autotune. But uh, <laughs> so when those 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 two things were more widely accepted, because if you remember going back, Autotune it was pretty much T Pain was using it, right? And then even Jay came out with the DOA, the Devil of Autotune, right? But then Kanye started using it. Then Lil Wayne started using it, and then it became more and more accepted. Now you that's all you hear: Future, Young Thug. Uh, Yachty, pretty much everybody. Travis Scott, designer. Yeah, everybody has it on there. And if you listen to to the music, I don't think they're really being lyrical. It's just it's more melodic based. It's more you're riding that melody. So when when music kind of shifted to that, it kind of really just fell in my lap of what I was already kind of doing, like who I am as an artist at the beginning. So it's like, oh, okay, this works. Yeah, I think it, it hit timing for you. Yeah, yeah. Like we said, timing is everything. How did, uh, like, how was it obviously using auto tune? Because I've spoken to Young World, he's a producer and he studied music and he's like, you should see sometimes in the studio, I turn off auto tune and they're like, damn, is that what, what I really sound like? Um, like, because <laughs> they don't have the, they actually don't have the, the the skill to hit the auto tune. They slap auto tune on and they, they're like, oh, this sounds dope. But, you know, for someone who understands music, someone who studies it, you're like, well, no, you don't, because I can tell you've been auto-tuned to crazy. Yeah. So uh, 
my isn't it like he he'll he'll dial, dial it in and, and and make it sound good or whatever and like you know it's it's not overpowering but it's funny that you brought that up because uh we were working on a joint called world uh recently and i i actually just posted this on my page where we had to go in and remix it so he he pretty much took everything that he had done he just started it from scratch now i've been listening to this song for like six months as he mixed it the last time so when we go back in and he took everything off and he played my vocals back without the like the auto tune and stuff i was like what the fuck is this like i really sound like this i was like how did i even record this and think it sounded good <laughs> he was like don't worry about it i got you don't don't trip like it was it was it was really like it was kind of shocking because like I said, I had been listening to it for six months and it sounds one way and to hear it like bare, it was like, oh, wow, what? <laughs> so, so what do you do as a result? Like, do, does that change something in, in what you're delivering? Like, obviously the, the audio engineer will fix it up, but what does that mean for you as an artist? Because I'm sure, you know, part of that is like, all right, I want this to sound better. Um, well, we have established, like, I really, I've been working with him for, like, mm, almost a decade now. Uh, well, he was, he was an artist and um, a producer himself before he really took on the engineering role. So he gets what the artist is trying to do. And so he's been mixing my music for my last, about the last five years now, right? So now it's to the point where I can do the idea and it may not sound correctly because, you know, I'm just physically not able to hit the note or, or achieve what I'm trying to do. I can hear it in my head, but I can't do it, but I can just kind of mimic it. And it's to the point now that he's like, dude, just give me a clean record. I'll get it straight. So so once we establish that trust and I see he he can do that, like he can take my idea and get my idea to what I really wanted to be. I don't even worry about it now. I just do it and he'll fix it. Like I'll do it and he fixes it. And it's even to the point now, like even like on my rap vocal, it's a tone that I'm listening looking for. Like when I I'm not even talking about, you know, singing a hook or something. I'm talking about just the a tone that I'm listening for when I when I lay my rap vocal. And he'll go in and find it. And I'm like, no, nah, it needs to be a little bit more gritty. It needs to be a little bit more saturated. Can you put a little bit more? And like, he knows now. So now it, it's just our, our, our cycle time of just creating and mixing a record now is so much shorter where it used to take maybe like four hours to mix a record. We're mixing records in like an hour and a half now because he knows exactly what I'm looking for. So that, that's, that's so awesome. Yeah, and having that relationship is so key. Yeah, yeah. I I'm not one of those guys that like to work with a lot of engineers. I probably work with like probably four or five in my career and I, I get attached to them because you know you build that relationship so like I just want to take my stuff to him I just want to take my stuff to him and then uh with, with Jay Hill my, my newest uh, engineer like well, not my newest but my most recent because I've been working for him for, for the last five years is we got to the point where I'll record maybe 15 percent of the, the album over there just because sometimes you just need to be in that environment. I need to have him tell him, no, that's not right. Do it again. I just need that. And then the other 85% of the time, because I'm trying stuff and I'm like, I'm not quite sure how this is going to sound. I don't know if I want to do it in front of like him or a room full of people 
Like, let me just record it here or whatever. So to have that dynamic and how it works is just, man, dude, dude I could go on and on about this all day. Like, he, he's he's a, a really big reason for, for my sound and my my, my uh, success that I've had. So. Well, that's awesome. You, you, like, once you find people you like, you've got to keep working with them. And yeah, yeah. you see, like, you know, the people you trust are the people you trust at the end of the day. But I was going to yeah. ask you do, you, do you ever wonder, like, you know, they're going in, they're fixing the sound, you're adding auto-tune versus how you're going to sound, you know, on stage? Because my fear, personally, like, if it was me, I'd be like, oh, well, I'm going to sound different live than I am going to sound on an album. And, you know, part <laughs> of being an artist is you know, doing live shows and you make a lot of money from doing live shows. Yeah. But, you know, I think the way I kind of approach it is one, I'll have, I'll have background singers. So they'll carry most of the, you know, the singing parts or whatever. So that's fine. So we'll have the track playing. We'll probably take out my leads and just kind of have, you know, the unders playing. And then we'll have the background singers like sing the actual lead part. So it kind of messes and sounds good. And then when I'm on stage, I'll even sing some part. I'll do the parts I know I can do in like a lower register, but like if it's something kind of that I know had auto tune on it, I'll stay away from it. Or uh, sometimes I'll try it and I'll just make a joke of like, hey, y'all know I can't sing, but whatever, fuck it, I'm feeling it. And I'll just go with it. And I think if you create that kind of environment with the crowd, like they know you're you're just giving them your art they'll appreciate it. They won't really be like, yo, that don't sound like the album at all. I mean, you can Plus always I, mime. I, you, you know, you know, a lot of people catch flack for, for miming their albums, but but yeah, like I get it. Like I hate that. I, I'm, I'm not one of those guys that, you know, a lot of people rap over top of their, their vocals. Like they'll just play the song and rap over top of it. I'm not that. Like I have the album version and then I'll have a show version where all my leads are taken out. So I'm going to rap it. And then one thing I also like doing, like I like doing my shows with a live band. So I'll have a DJ and I'll have a bass and I'll have keys and I'll have drums and guitar. And probably the most extensive show I did, I had like a nine piece band with me. I had trumpets, oh, wow. a saxophone. Like it was, it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. So um, that's how I like giving people my music. I like that whole, that whole band, the background singers and everything. So when you hear it, you already kind of see like, because it's the band and stuff like, this isn't going to be like that. This is going to be an experience. And mm. I think that's what a lot of rappers probably are not really doing that much today. They're not giving you an experience. They're just going out there and rapping over the out. Yeah. I feel like the, 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 the top level performers, they give you an experience and then you've got your, your mid range that like, are just not doing anything different from everybody else. They're doing the same thing. So if you can like, you know, stand out from the crowd, that's always going to be good. Like, you know, if you have live instrumentals, people are going to be like, oh, damn, I know that when I go see Penn, it's not going to be, you know, the studio is going to be like a live instrumental show. So something that, that they can look into. You Man, you, you should, like I sit in on every single mixing session that I have. You should be there like when uh, my engineer is soloing instruments out and like, it'll just be my vocals playing with maybe like, the, the keys or something i'm like dude we need this we need this sound design like and i'll copy it in my phone like record it on my phone so we can remember what it was like i love that kind of shit and that's what i what i want to present when i want to go on stage because i feel like it shouldn't sound like that it should be an experience it should be different you should walk away saying 
Yo, Pen was dope. That shit was dope. And then you get a better appreciation for, I think, the album once you hear it, a live interpretation of it. And then you can sell two copies of the album. You can do like a, the a, live, show, yeah. the live <laughs> show, the instrumental version versus the studio version. Uh, look at us. We're coming up with, yeah. with selling <laughs> ideas. Uh, no one poached these ideas. These are gold. We're going to copyright these and you know, we're, we're going to go big. But, but, yeah, yeah, you're getting a producer credit for that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah just just chuck my name on there no you just all you all you do is you, you just owe me interviews that's the only thing that's that's I how you. i get paid I interviews <laughs> i got you well man speaking of releasing music what is this album due to drop i know you're finishing it off but do you have a time frame for for your fans i didn't give it an exact date because i didn't want to kind of like pigeonhole myself into a date and feel like i was rushing just to meet that date uh i can't tell you it'll be 2021 Primary, I'm trying to do uh, uh, second quarter. So right around summer. Wait, what's it? Is it summer there for you in uh, like June just, through August? No, no. So summer for us is December to Feb is summer. Okay. So we've got All the right. opposite seasons. So for every every time it's winter for you, it's summer for us and vice versa. So we just head into autumn and I know you guys are heading into spring. To spring, okay, yeah, okay. So it'll it'll probably hopefully if you know I get it done right, it'll be a a, a summer release, and then we got the rest of the year uh, to to promote it. Um, once it drops, though, um, two part strategy. I'll drop it. I'm not sure if I'm gonna drop like the whole thing at once. Maybe I'll just do singles, maybe three more singles, then give it to you to to extend the longevity of it, and then do the videos after. But still working that part of it out, but. It'll definitely be out 2021. I can say that for sure. Awesome. Well, I'm sure you and your fans are both are all very excited to see it come out. And um, I know my pace is I always like to see music videos. Like you know, I don't oh know. yeah, <laughs> music videos are, are amazing. It just it just it's another level to the experience of of the album drop. But um, yeah, look, it, I think you know, I think that's a, a great way to to tie into my last question because uh, you know that album's due to drop, but you know, you already know I asked Shelly this, so you're the only one who's had to who's had been able to prepare. But um, you know, if you had to recommend one album for everybody to listen to other than your own, what would it be? Oh, uh, of all time, like it doesn't matter what genre or nope. Ah, uh, one album of all time. Um, you know what? Because we, because we, I'm gonna go with my favorite Kanye album. I'm gonna say Graduation. Listen to Graduation. Kanye yeah. West Graduation. You literally cannot go past it. If you haven't listened to it, you should listen to it because it's just you know one of those iconic hip hop you know just education pieces. Um, yeah. So you just got to listen to that. But um, nah, Pen. Like, thank you for coming on. You know, in a weird way, you're the only artist I've had on this podcast twice. So the first one. You- <laughs> One you snuck into the second one is for real but um no man i'm excited to see what you do with your drop check check him out on on instagram um I've, i'm assuming you got twitter as well um on spotify yep. um he's working on the socials you know that album is going to drop eight tracks um and you know if, if you have any doubt don't because the the potential is there and he's been working with artists like shelly banks and, and other artists that that are that are coming up so i'm excited to see what 2021 and and further on has for you as well my friend hey man i appreciate it i appreciate you having me on i know this is my 
kind of second one if we're being the unofficial count. Uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully we got some more of them in the future. We can uh, schedule time, sit down and talk or whatever. And and whenever I do finish it, uh, trust me, it'll be a link to your to your email so you can check it out. You know, before anybody else. So oh, well, I can, even I can if have, it comes out, I can have yeah. the secret drop. Yeah, you definitely get the secret job. So even if it comes out at the end of the year, you'll you have will be have have heard it before then. So damn, that's dope. I actually can't wait. You know, this is starting to become my my dream. Like I like I like I'm a big fan of sneakers as well. So I like having sneakers and then holding on to them so that when you know, if I ever decide to wear them, which I probably will never do because they sit in the box and I just love them too much. But it'll be the same that I'll be like, you know, I've got this album that you will, you, you haven't heard, but I know it's good. And I'll just be like sitting on it and be like, just waiting to see what other people think of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same here, same here. And it's funny you say that about the sneakers because I'm, I'm the same way. I'm a big Nike guy. Uh, so I kind of got my shoes lined up here. So when you said that, I was like, I wonder if he has these shoes. So <laughs> I got a, I got a lot. Like, like my fiance, she's like, I don't understand you. Like every year you ask me for some Jordans and I get them for you. Then you never wear them. I said, that's because it has to be the perfect day for me to wear them outside <laughs> because I'm afraid to mess them up. So See, I don't wear mine. I don't wear mine at all. I've the last probably six pairs I haven't worn and I don't just buy shoes. I'm not like one of those people who buys every week or every month. I'm like, I'm like, I got to decide what I'm feeling. And I, the most recent pair that I bought were the Air Jordan one Lowe's Chinese new year, 2021. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Li- that limited drop. I was like, nah, I got to get, get myself a pair. And so they're sitting at home, they're in the box, they're looking good. And I'm just going, they ain't never going to be worn. <laughs> It's a running joke, like the uh, the the Concours that dropped in 2018. Like I got them with 45 on the back. Like I only wear them at Thanksgiving. That's the only time I wear them. I wear them on Thanksgiving, and then I put them back in the box in the house. I don't wear them outside. I wear them in the house. Yeah, oh, you can't get them dirty. Are you joking? Yeah, like, no. Yeah, <laughs> I like I like them too much to to get them dirty. So whenever I see people wearing like Jordans out, I'm like. Mate, they you're gonna have to buy a new pair soon because once, they're, much, once yeah. they're gone, they're gone. But do you do yeah. you have like a favorite sneaker of all time? Of all time, it would probably be those those Concords. Um, and the reason being not because that's my favorite Air Jordan, it's just because when they originally came out, 1995, I didn't get a pair, right? And then um, the Concords, I didn't get a pair. So remember, later that year, they dropped the uh the carolina blue ones they're called the columbia blue now they dropped those and it was right around christmas time i wanted them i wanted them i was like mom make please 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 get these shoes or whatever so the whole time leading up to christmas she made me believe that i had the shoes she made i'm like mom you gotta get them go to the store early like my mom's a flight attendant whatever so she's always traveling so i'm like mom you gotta get up wherever you are you gotta get up and go early like it'll be a line like you gotta get them for you gotta get them and she, like I said, she made me believe that she got them. And on Christmas Day, I opened a shoebox and there was a check. And Jordan's at that time was $125. It was a check for $125. I was so disappointed. So yeah, that's why the Concords are my favorite <laughs> shoe. And that's probably why I won't wear them outside because I went through that's so long to get them. <laughs> I finally got my hands on them and now I don't want to wear them. So. Yeah, you're you're like me. Like no one understands that I don't wear my sneakers. But my favorite were the white and white Air Force Ones. The you know the oh, yeah. 
there, it's just the only and everyone's like but that's just so basic but that's why they're so good because they look good as hell and don't give me low tops I want the high tops. Oh, you want the high so I want low. the high tops. No, no, no. I want <laughs> I want the high tops. Like everybody now, like all everybody on the street is wearing, you know, the the low tops. And I'm like, mm, nah, hit me up on the high tops. I, I like to be be a bit different. Oh uh, yeah, see, see, that's what we do for right there. I gotta go. With, I hate the all black. I hate them. I agree. Like they look like they look like school shoes. shoes. They look like school yeah, shoes. I, like, yeah, yeah. I, Hate them, I hate them. But the all white lows, dude. I got I got a pair that I bought in 07. I've only worn them three times. That's it. And they go back in the box because I'm scared of them turning yellow. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, P. Diddy, there's there's you know that rumor that P. Diddy never wears the same uh Air Force Ones white and white, the same pair twice. I believe it. If it does that. So, you know, yeah, you know, if you want if he wants to throw me a pair, I'll take a pair of your shoes. I'll take I'll, I'll <laughs> I'll be goodwill if you want to give me like I'll look after them really nice. I'll keep them in the box. Don't worry. Um, but yeah, yeah if any I'm fan wants to send us sneakers, uh, yeah, we'll be we'll be real happy. Yeah, drop our drop our uh, yeah. uh, ads right now <laughs> <laughs> at the Hip Hop Hustle. Uh, what what was your IG handle? At, at Pen Banneker, P E N N B A N N E K A R. At Pen Banneker everywhere. So Facebook, so uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, wherever. It's, it's always Pen Banneker because Benjamin Banneker is just too long for people to sell. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, hit us up on Instagram. Get us some sneakers. Some 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 people ask for different stuff. If I was to ever be an artist and have a writer, like when I'm doing shows. It would be like I just want a pair of sneakers. Just get me a <laughs> pair of shoes. So I, that's it. That's all I want. I don't care about the rest. And I can just yeah, start. I'm with you. I'm with you. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate your time, and um, I love that we got into talking about sneakers. I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about it again next time we have you on the show. But um, uh, good luck with the with the last track, and good luck with the drop of the new album. I'm excited to see to see what what you deliver us, and um, yeah, I'm excited to see what what your career continues to do. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for the time, man. Anytime. Thanks for listening to the show. Please like and subscribe and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for all upcoming podcast news. Bye for now.